Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. of doing the same thing and not seeing the results that you want. You know, she used this statement, been there, done that. And how many times have we ever been in that position of life? And really, when you begin to look at that or just the concept of that, it's really just from a perspective of being overwhelmed, feeling the pressure of life, feeling the stress of life, and feeling like we're looking to God for a different result, but it seems as though we keep on coming up against a dead end, right? And so today I'm going to challenge you that we're going to purpose to move forward, and how we're going to do that is we're going to choose to give up. Say this with me. Say, I I give up. Amen. I give up. I choose to give up. And there is a power of surrender. I said there's a power in surrendering. Now, in that idea of, of thinking, I give up, I don't want you to think from the side of, I lay down, I give up, I just surrender and I'm tired of doing it, I'm just going to give up and lay down. That's not what I'm talking about. And what we're going to share this morning is a foundation for those things that are going to come. But when you think about it, I give up. That's what we're going to begin to look at this morning. I give up. What do I mean? I'm purposing to say, God, I surrender and I'm going to give up to you. What is it that you've been holding on for a long time? What have you made your pet project? What is it that, that you've been holding on to? Maybe it's the, the past. Maybe it's been the concerns. Maybe it's been the worries. But God's saying, I want you to finally come to a place where you will give up to me. Amen. How many of you have ever had a diary of the past or things that have gone wrong in your life and you documented that and you review it from time to time? Anybody ever been in that position? I'm not a girly kind of guy, so I don't know that I have a diary. I don't know that I'd tell you I had a diary if I actually did have a diary. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, there was some pastors, or in fact, actually our pastors, Pastor uh, Karsten, Mrs. Karsten, they were ministering to this particular woman and she was in the hospital and she was dying and uh, the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. And so as she's laying there in, in, in basically on her deathbed, they went up to pray for her. And as they went to pray for her, they noticed that, that she had this book on her chest. And from time to time, she would look at it just as they were spending time visiting. And they asked, what is that book that you, you're looking at? And she said, well, this book is all the things that I've documented over the years that my children have done me wrong by. And she said, and I just remind myself of how hateful they've been. And so... Pastor Carson said, well, you know, you need to just get rid of that book and God will heal your body right now. And she said, well, I couldn't do that. You don't know how bad they've treated me. And she died. I'm telling you, there's things that we've held on to. Are you here this morning? And maybe it's the worry and the stress and the anxiety that you've had in life. But God wants us to begin to grow to a place that we will give up. To him. 
Now, there's a specific area that I'm going to talk about this morning, and I want to share this to begin with in regards to our culture and just where we're at in, in today's society. Studies have showed that, that we as a culture are more prosperous than we've ever been before in the history of our nation. We as a people are more prosperous than ever before. But studies show that we are majorly impoverished and bankrupt when it comes to the area of time. Now again, that's significant as to what I'm going to talk about. But that being said, the Bible tells us that the devil knows that his time is short. You know Jesus is coming soon, right? And he says that he knows the season and the time that he's living And that his time is short and that he's going to begin to work extremely hard to take people down. To war against the church. And isn't it interesting that you go back 40, 50 years ago. And one of the things that people struggled with greatly was in the area of their prosperity or just living well. They worked hard and it seemed that there was just such a struggle to make ends meet. You remember about 60 years ago there was the Great Depression that took place, right? And so people were very aware of how difficult it was to make a living. But it seems like in this culture... This culture that we live in, to have what we want and have it when we want it is so accessible nowadays, right? But the thing that the enemy is real conscious of is that his time is short is the very thing that he tries to steal from you and I. And as a result of just this factor of time, it seems as though it has put us, especially the church, in a position of being so overwhelmed, so stressed out, so depressed and so struggling to have sanity of mind. And it's because of this pressure that we face. Jesus said this. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 4. And if you remember, Jesus oftentimes taught in stories or parables. And so Jesus begins to tell this story or this parable to make a biblical principle or point. And he begins by telling a story. He says, now everybody, and there's a lot of people there that are in the multitudes with him. And he says, everybody, now listen. Listen to me. So he begins his speech, if you will, or his message to the masses. He says, now really pay attention. I want you to listen to me. And then he begins to deliver his message. And at the end of it, he says, now he that has ear to hear, let him hear. And then he left. But his disciples went with him. And I find this interesting that as he left with his disciples, his disciples asked the question, Jesus, we don't understand that story that you told us. He said, what was you trying to say? So that tells me that out of the masses, there's a very few number of people that actually have ears to hear and will listen to what God is saying. Just a handful of his disciples says, Jesus, what was you saying? And Jesus said, well, I talked about the sower sowing the seed. And he said, the seed is actually the word of God. And so he says this, what Jesus was really trying to say is that the word of God is the answer for your life. The struggles, the fear, the concerns, the worries, the anxiety, the pressure of life. The answer is in the Word of God. Come on, we live in a culture that everybody wants things microwave. We want it now and we want it yesterday, right? And when it comes to a church, many times we come to church and we say, I want a relevant church. 
I want a church that makes me feel good. I want a church that gives me just a, a feeling of walking away knowing that I can get, I can have some practical principles to add to my life. I want it relevant. Or we could say, give me a reader digest kind of church. There is nothing more relevant to our lives than the Word of God. If you want something that will change your life forever, it's the Word of God. If you want something that will change your marriage, it's the Word of God. If you want something that will change the, 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 the complexity of your thinking and the pressure of life, it's the Word of God. If you want something to change the health in your body, it's the Word of God. If you want something to show up and, and make a change in your finances, it is the Word of God. There is nothing more relevant than this book. And Jesus said... The answers are in this book. And he says, it's relatable to sowing seed. And if you sow this book in your heart, it will produce. But he says, this is what I was trying to explain to everybody that was together. And he speaks of four different kinds of individuals that will receive the word of God. He says, first of all, the very first kind of individual. He says, there are people that will hear the word, but immediately Satan comes and, and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. Why? Why does the enemy work so hard for you to not be able to receive the word, hear the word, or even just put something on the inside of you that you think, you know what, I don't want to read my Bible. I'd rather watch TV because he knows how relevant this Bible is. And any time you hear the word of God, read the word of God, the old enemy is looking to steal that from your heart. Number two, he says this. He says, there are those individuals that they will hear the word of God and they'll receive it with joy. I'm talking about this morning of giving up your worries, your cares, and your anxieties and the pressures and the stresses of life and giving it up to God. And God says that this word will bring joy to your life. I said it will bring joy. It will change the look on your face. It means you'll have a twinkle in your eye, you'll have a smile on your face, and people will find out how many teeth you have. Whether they're straight or whether they're crooked or whether you've got one or you've got a f- mouthful, you, they'll find out how many teeth you got, right? Because joy begins to change your countenance. And he says the word of God brings joy. When you're feeling down and out, when you're feeling like you're stressed out, when you feel like you have all kinds of anxiety and pressure of life, we're looking for the pressure to be released. And God says, I'll give you joy. I'm telling you what joy is the pressure release in the pressure cooker of life. When we're feeling the anxiety of struggles and the worries of life. But he says there are individuals that will receive the word with joy. But because it's not deeply rooted in their heart. Or in other words, they've not done anything with the word to cultivate it. It says they fall away as soon as they have problems. Did you notice that the Bible says that problems are going to come? They come to everybody. And we hear about how God is good and how much he loves us. And we think, praise the Lord. I left church feeling good. But then a problem comes. And you forget about how good God is. You forget about the smile that you had on your face. Because problems come. Then he said there's the third kind of people. That they receive God's word. They, they receive it with joy. But it says that they all too quickly. They lose this message or this word that has been sown in their heart because it's crowded out 
by worries of this life. Did you hear how I said it? Crowded out by the worries of life. So it didn't say that it was even removed from their heart. They had the word of God in their heart. They began to apply it to their life. But they let the worries become more than what they had in their heart concerning God's word. And therefore, as a result, the worries, the stress, the pressure, the anxiety overtook the joy, the relevance of God's word. Are you here this morning? I'm talking about living a life that is carefree. That allows us not to have the pressures of this life, but allows us to truly be free of anxiety and worry and stress, depression of life. And God says it comes through the Word. It's relevant. And then the Bible says the fourth individual is an individual that puts the Word to practice in their life. And it says they have 30, 60, 100-fold return of just good things in their life as a result of putting to practice the Word of God. We also see in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Did you notice that very first line? It says, Be anxious for nothing. I'll say it again. Be anxious for nothing. Come on, say that with me. Just so you, you were, Be anxious for nothing. In other words, no thing ought to cause you to be anxious, have pressure, have worries, have stress of life. Now, I just want to clarify, that's not Pastor Tony talking. That is the Bible. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Don't be stressed out. Don't be panicking. Don't be anxious. Don't be depressed about anything. Now, did I say that or did God say that? So it must be possible, right? He says, I don't want you to be stressed out. Well, if he said that that's possible, then there's got to be a way that I can live this life of not being anxious about anything, right? But it's interesting how we begin to look at this culture and how things have have so changed throughout our lifetime and and, and the different generations and the the, the culture in which we live in. You realize that uh, uh, there's what's called the baby boomers, right? Those are those that are probably in their uh, 60s, 60s uh, 50s, 60s and older, right? They're, they're entering into the retirement year. And then there's the X generation. Then there's the millennials. There's the Y generation, the Z generation. And now the ones that have just been born within the last four years, they're called the uh, alpha generation. But when you begin to study and look at all these different types of individuals and the eras and the generations of people that are still existing right here on the earth, there's all kinds of pressures that each generation faces. In the baby boomer generation, they were facing just the anxiety to make a living and to find security. But then comes along the, the X generation, which is me that are in between uh, their, their mid-30s and their late-40s. And they're caught in between a generation. They're caught between a generation that has done things a certain way. And you know that older generation, they do things a certain way, and that's how they do it, and they don't deviate from it because this is the right way, and that's how we do it, right? And they don't change. 
But then there's this younger generation that the that my generation is squeezed in between the older generation and the younger generation and the younger generation that says, ha ha, anything goes. It's full of technology. And so my generation is caught in between the old and the young thing. Which way do we go? There's the staunch way that we used to do things and then there's all the ever-changing aspect of the younger generation. They said the current generation right now is the generation that will have known the internet. I mean, think about it. We are living in such paradox of generations. You remember back uh, some of our, maybe our grandparents, they talked about the Model T or even horse and buggy and those kind of things. Maybe didn't have a telephone, didn't have a radio, didn't have a TV. And now our younger generation can't even begin to fathom that. But because of the generations, the youngest generation is looking at my generation kind of like we're antiques because of how fast technology has grown. Now, why did I say all that? Because statistically, concerning the different generations and the pressures that we face, as I said, those that are in their mid-40s, they're caught in the middle of generations. But then we see the 20-somethings of this era and this culture. 41% of 20-somethings say that they are experiencing regular and constant stress of life. And you think, what do you got to be stressed about? You're 20-something-year-old. You just barely wet behind the ears, right? But they're looking at life and saying, we are totally stressed out. You go 40 years back. And only 15% of 20-somethings said that they ever stressed out. It's grown by 20, but 20-some percent. Why? Because of the pressures of life. Marriage is no longer an option. We'll just live together. There's no commitment. 25% of people that are 40 and older, this is that they used to have fond memories of neighbors. Remember when you used to have neighbors and you had relationships with them? This young generation, only 7% says they have fond memories of neighbors. Everybody's to themselves. Why? Because everybody's too busy. Everybody's too busy to impose or be bothered. It's the culture that we're living in. Where people are continually finding themselves stressed out and people are increasingly overwhelmed with life. Why? Because of this concept of time that we don't have enough and that life is passing us by. We are consistently and conditioned, if you will, to be overwhelmed and stressed out and have anxiety and pressure of life. Am I talking to anybody in here today? And it it goes across the board, whether you're older or younger. There's pressures of life. There's anxieties and worries. But 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this in the Amplified Bible. It says, Casting all of your cares, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, and all of your concerns once and for all on Him or on God. Let me read that again. Casting all of your cares, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns once and for all on Him. For He cares about you and with deep affection He watches over you carefully. I said God cares about you. And he says this, he says, give me your cares, give me your anxiety, give me your worries, give me your pressures. In other words, he's saying, give them up to me. Give them up to me. He doesn't want you to have them. And he says, all of them, 
All of them. And I started out by saying, don't we all sometimes have those pet concerns? Well, I can't let go of this one. This is mine. Maybe you've written it down in a book. Maybe you just got to remind yourself. Again, I'm not being critical on anything. I'm saying your, your situation is your situation. You know what that is. But God says, give it to me. Let it go. Quit reminding yourself of it. Give all of your cares to me. Give them up to me. All of them. What's all mean? (laughs) Everything. Give them all. All of them? All of them. Give them up to God. But you don't know how big this is. Give them up to me. Once again, studies have shown us this. That when we find ourselves being overwhelmed and experiencing the pressure and the anxiety and the stress of life, it begins to have an effect in our personal affairs. Studies show this from a psychological standpoint. It says, when feeling overwhelmed, we we usually react by being frantically busy, by procrastinating, or even doing things clumsily and inefficiently. Did you notice how anxiety, worry, and stress begins to affect you? So as all of a sudden you think that you're extremely busy. Have you ever been there? I've been that way in my life where it's been, I have been so overwhelmed. And I say, I don't have time to do anything because I'm so busy. And if you were to ask me, what are you busy doing? I'd say, I have no clue. I'm busy doing something. I'm overwhelmed because I feel so busy, but there is no productivity. Because in my mind, I am so overwhelmed and stressed that I feel like I'm just too busy. And what I do do, it begins to be clumsy and it becomes to be inadequate and insufficient in its ability to produce something in my life. And the individual that finds themselves being overwhelmed, once again, psychologists have said that that produces a helplessness, apathy, Psychologic paralysis. It causes you to be paralyzed in your thinking, in your intellect. Have you ever been there? Where the pressures of life are so heavy that all you do is just become the deer in the headlights. What do I do? I don't have any idea. I have no way of escape. I don't even know which way to turn. Been there, done that. Come on. Once again, stress, anxiety, pressures of life. It causes an individual to be disconnected from one's intelligence, one's self, and one's will. When people get pressured or feel the anxiety of life, it has much to do with driving people to a place of addictions in their life. You know anybody that's ever experienced that? They've succumbed to addictions. Why? Because it's a way of escape. Escaping the pressures of life. Individuals that are feeling overwhelmed can... can, uh, I should say it this way. Those that feel overwhelmed, it is produced through a common tendency to churn up mental speculations... And considerations that are difficult, if not impossible, to resolve or to answer. So what's the Bible saying? Or excuse me, what's the statistic saying? 
It's saying that you start to think and ponder and chew on and cultivate these thoughts of that it is too big. I can't fix it. It can't change as a result of just giving myself place or giving myself to the thoughts of what is bringing me anxiety and worry. Isn't it interesting how science always backs up the Word of God? The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3. It says, it all begins with a thought. And God says, take no thought. It begins with a thought. And then the Bible says that if you don't take that thought captive, it begins to turn into imagination. Come on, am I talking to the right people today? The thought comes... And you did real good for a while to push it to the side. But all of a sudden you find yourself laying in bed at night. And you're beginning to think. And you begin to add to. And you begin to imagine. And it begins bigger and bigger and bigger. And the pressure and the stress and the anxiety and the worry becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the Bible says if you don't do anything with that thought that turns into an imagination. It becomes a stronghold in your life. We could also say it this way, that you take a strong hold of it. And it's hard to let go of a worry, of anxiety, of pressure that you've got a death grip on. Are you here this morning? And God says, it's up to you. Don't be anxious for anything. But it's so hard, I can't do that. Jesus would not tell you to do something that you could not do. God would not ask you and give you instructions. In fact, for that matter, it's a command from God. He says, take no thought. Don't worry. Give me your cares. Cast your cares, your anxieties, your worries on me. I'll carry it. And if you'll do that, you'll be free. And he says, you can do it. Is it easy? No. But he says, give them to me. If you give them to him, then you no longer have them. Come on, see, we, we, we pet it and we stroke it like it's our little puppy dog. And we think, well, I, I could never let go of that. I've got to manage that. I've got to tend to that because that's the responsible thing to do. I didn't tell you to be irresponsible with life. But God says, give me your worries and your cares. How many of you have ever saw that a care or a worry changes anything? It doesn't. Has, you, has your sleepless night changed one circumstance? No. Have you churned it and thought about it and chewed on it all day at work and you got home? Has it changed the circumstance or has it made it worse? It's made it worse. Because you meditated and you thought about it. Anxiety, be anxious for nothing. And he says, cast all of your cares, all of your anxiety, all of your worries, give them to me because I care about you. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, starting in verse 25, you can see it up on the screen. You can turn there if you want. But once again, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says this, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on, is not life more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not more valuable than they? Did you hear that? Are you not more valuable than the birds that God takes care of? Verse 27. Which of you by worry... Now, we just made this statement, but look, it's Bible. Which of you by worry can add one cubit to his stature? Or by worry, can you change anything? Verse 28 says, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now God is, has, now, now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So did you notice that he said, concerning you, not worrying, having stress or anxiety, it's a condition of your faith. How does faith grow? It grows by the word of God. Verse 31, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? How shall I pay my bills? How shall I put food on the table? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? My clothes are are wearing out. The shoes got holes in the bottom. Verse 32, for after all these things the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Verse 34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Three times, Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. I said, Jesus said three times, don't worry. But you don't understand, Pastor. Don't worry. But you don't know what the the bank is saying. Don't worry. But you don't know what the doctors are saying. Don't worry. But you don't know what's going on in my marriage right now. Don't worry. I've got this, he says. Give me your cares. Give them up to me. Listen to me. If we'll learn how to give up our anxiety and our cares to God, it will begin to set the foundation for everything else. Why is it? Remember I talked about time. Why is it that people struggle to get involved within church because we say, I don't have time. I don't have time. I I, I can't give you of myself because I don't have enough time. Listen, if we could give up our cares to God, it would be easy to give up my time. Well, pastor, now I know you're not going to go here, but you know, when it comes to giving money, well, you just don't know how, how much money I don't have. If I was able to give up my anxiety and my cares and my worries, then the money issue that I give to church wouldn't even be an anxiety or worry anymore, would it? Are you seeing that as I purpose to give my worry, my anxiety, my stress, and the pressure of life to Him, everything else begins to be smoothed out? Oh, you mean I can begin to be carefree? That's what we're talking about. That's what Jesus came to provide for you to be carefree. If you don't have little kids, then you just come over and hang around my kids for a little while because they are so carefree. In fact, they're so carefree, sometimes they get in trouble. (laughs) You know what I mean? Why do they have a care? They're just kids. Their dad takes care of everything. Why be be concerned about what we're going to eat? Really, all it is is whether or not I like what mom's cooking or not. But still, yeah, you're going to eat it. 
So why worry? <laughs> they don't worry about what they wear. They don't worry about where they're going to go to go, go to have fun or whatever. They they just they're carefree. But that's a child. That's just what they are. They don't have any responsibility. They don't know enough to be worried about anything because they're kids. God says that's how he wants us to live this life of faith. To be carefree and say, God, you are my good God. You take care of me. And remember it says they received the word with joy. Come on. If we walked around with a smile on our face and a song in our voice and a, a, a bounce in our step, people would say, what is the matter with you? I don't, I don't have a care. What do you mean you don't have a care? I just don't care. Come on, think about that. Doesn't that go so cross-grained with the culture of our thinking? What do you mean you don't care? I just don't care. What's the bank saying? I don't care. What's the doctor saying? I don't care. Why are you smiling? Because I don't care. They got a sticker on your window that says they're foreclosing. I don't care. Well, why don't you care? I can't do nothing about it, but my God can. I don't care. Well, isn't that just being silly? No. I gave it to him. I gave it to him. What do you mean he gave it? I gave it to him. Therefore, that's why you see me smiling. That's why you see me having... Joy. That's why you see me just being lighthearted because I don't care. I hope you hear me this morning because as I said, people want this relevant message of how it's going to change my life. Just purpose to not care. I didn't say don't be responsible. Just don't carry care. Be carefree. Jesus says, give me the care. You say, well, I can't do that because my care is about as real as my foot on my foot on my leg. Foot on my foot. That'd be kind of weird looking, wouldn't it? It's about as real as my hands. I couldn't give you my hands. No. God says, give it to me. Give it to me. Isn't it interesting that as we share this word and share with you the word of God, of what God says, many times the word of God can come across being hard. Listen, I, I, I live with you. And I hear the stories of the marriages that are struggling. I hear the stories of financial difficulties. I hear the stories of struggles that you're facing with your kids. I hear the stories of your your struggles with your marriage and whatever else. I do life with you. And my answer is give it to God. Because the word says. And oftentimes, like I said, that can be so hard. Why are you just telling me what the word of God says? Because the word will change your life. Why are you telling me just to give it to God? I've got to to handle this. No, give it to God. Let God handle it. It's so simple, but sometimes can be so difficult. Amen? Just for the sake of time, I'll conclude with this. Even as a pastor, I'll say this before I, I wrap up. If you remember that scripture, it says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, when you pray, I'll have individuals that will come to me and say, Pastor, will you pray? Will you pray? And I want to pray. But my response is, let's deal with the care and the pressure and the anxiety. And see, I can pray the prayer of faith for you and with you. 
But if you choose not to do anything with your worry, your anxiety, or the stress that you carry, my prayers will not work. Because if I pray and God says, I'll free them and set them free and give them peace and give them joy, but you hang on to your worry, my prayers do nothing. God says, give me your cares. So I want to give you a challenge. For the next 90 days, will you purpose to live a life that every day you cast your cares and give God your anxiety? So today is November 22nd. So that means on February 22nd, that will be 90 days. For the next 90 days, will you purpose to say, God, I will give you my cares. And when I recognize that I'm carrying them, I'll give them back to you. You say, how do I do that? If you need to, make a list of the things that you need to do to help focus you in the right direction. You might have been so used to being paralyzed and not knowing how and knowing what to do and what the priority of life can be because you've been so paralyzed by your worry. Begin to make a to-do list. This is what I need to do. This is what I need to do. I'm not talking about carrying worries. I'm talking about having an order of priority of life and a checklist of getting things accomplished. Secondly, choose to smile. I said choose to smile. Dale Carnegie, he teaches a course of how to win friends and influence people. And one of the things that he talks about is learn how to smile. And I won't go into it for the sake of detail, but there was this executive man that everybody thought he was such a stern man. But he chose to start smiling. And everybody's attitude changed around him, including his wife's. Not his wife's, his wife. And it happened the very first day he chose to do it. Choose to smile. Look in the mirror and tell yourself you're changing your countenance and your purpose in the smile. Thirdly, make a daily commitment to sow the word of God into your life. Make a daily commitment. I'm going to give up my cares to God and choose to be carefree. And then lastly, stir up the joy. Stir up the joy on the inside of you. This purpose to laugh. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Amen. I do that often. Ha, 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 Mr. Devil. He says, what are you laughing at? I'm I'm laughing at you. Amen. Let's stand. Did you get anything out of this this morning? Will you take my 90-day challenge? Now, in the next two weeks, I'm going to give you an additional 90-day challenge, and they'll come together. And I'm going to challenge you just in that whole thing. But I'm telling you what, if you'll take the challenge, you will see that it changes your life. Don't be haphazard about it. Don't just say, well, okay. No. Commit to casting and giving your cares up to God. Amen? With every head bowed and every eye closed. You might be here this morning and you're thinking, Pastor, you don't know how heavy and how stressed out I've been. You don't know what a struggle life has been. You don't know what I've come from. You don't know the pressures that I carry. You don't know how paralyzed I am in every aspect of my life. 
The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so today, Jesus wants to set you free. And that first comes by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. That's the first step. Because outside of that, you have nothing to give Him because you don't have a relationship with Him. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've never received Christ into your life. You've never asked Him to come. Or maybe you're here and you say, man, I've walked away from God and I've felt the burdens and the pressures of life and I just want to come back home. I want to, I want to know Jesus. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life once again so that I can be free. If you're here this morning and that fits you with nobody looking around and my promise to you is that I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to call you forward I just want you to simply raise your hand and acknowledge say that's me I want to I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life I want to recommit my life to Jesus anybody in this place I see that hand 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 back there you can put them down once you put them up I've seen them several hands in this place anybody else say that's me I want Jesus to become the Lord of my life alright in addition to maybe you're here and you say I've been walking with Jesus but I've done a real good job of handling things my way and I've carried the pressure and the cares of this life and today I'm going to begin that challenge and I'm going to say I'm going to give my cares up to him if that's you would you just raise your hand Amen. Hands all over the place. Amen. Amen. You put them down once you put them up. Now, it doesn't have to be a big care. It can be a small one, but a small one can mess with your life. Amen. Let's just pray this prayer together. Everyone, and we're going to include everyone that had raised their hand in this prayer. Pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. He went to hell to pay my price, but He rose from the dead on the third day. And I believe, and therefore, I'm free. I'm free from cares. I'm free from worries. And I choose right now to give my life, to give my family, to give my worries. I give everything to you right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you that I have peace and I have joy from this day forward. And I choose tomorrow to give you my cares and the next day and the next day because I am carefree. I just don't care. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Come on. It will change the look on your face. It will change your home. It will change this church. And it will begin to change the greater Flint area. Come on, are you hearing me today? You by yourself, being a carefree person, can begin to be infectious. And the greater Flint area can be changed as a group of people that says, I choose to just not care. Man, I'm telling you what. It would change things faster than we can even begin to know. Are we expecting it? Amen. subscribe.
subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life. Thank you.